We are live, JW Megawag Show. I am your host, the Candyman. And today, you're in for a special treat. Please welcome to the show, Micah Glennington, right here in uh, San Francisco. How's it going? I'm doing great. We got our virtual audience here. It's, people are going crazy everywhere. Yeah. Gosh. So flu season is over officially. That's nice. Is it? Yeah. So I I heard that actually flu season uh ended was it May 31st? Um. But who knows. It's all a matter uh-huh. of opinion. So what have you been up to these past couple of months? I remember, I, gosh, I think the first time that I saw you was at uh, La Par- Promenade Cafe. Does that sound right? Oh, geez. That was wow. a while what was ago. this? I think, I want to say it was, a, gosh, it might have been a year or two ago. Huh. But have you been I, in the I, scene for a long time? I've Yeah, I mean, I've seen you around. Yeah, yeah. So have the cops. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, you know, I've... I've been to so many cafes in the bay area and you know i'm really 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 curious of what the um, outcome's gonna look like when the dust settles off of all of this man yeah i don't know i could see some pros and some cons but i remember i was just yep i just heard earlier i was talking to somebody about it you know and who knows what you're actually reading if it's real but that gavin newsom had said according to this article that they are a opening bars and restaurants starting Friday in California, or at least... Uh, the, that's probably because Trump's putting fire in everyone's butts, dude. I think so, too. There's a little... There's some truth to that, as much as... I don't know. There was something about Trump in the beginning before he actually became president that I thought was kind of punk rock. Yeah. But I didn't think that he would actually become the president, but... Anyways, I'm not a political yeah. person. He became Archie Bunker on steroids, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Except more like, looks more like an orange sherbet. Um, <laughs> an Oompa Loompa stepchild. <laughs> Gosh. I just, uh, oh yeah, I mean, it is a real reality TV show. It has become that, it seems like. Um but I know, I mean, gosh, you've been writing music for so long. You have this song called The Cure. And so, um, yeah, I don't know if you, I know you, gosh, you like write a new song every three weeks or something, huh? <laughs> you know what? It depends what's going on in my life. I mean, you know, I've, to this day, the only love song I've ever written is a love, is, is for my kid, you know? I tried to write love songs for other women, and it just don't happen, man. Um, the only song that ever came fluently is when I, you know, it was for my kid, you know. And I'm a, I'm an emotional writer, and I just can't sit there and just fart out a tune like a lot of these other cats can. And I, in a way, it's a blessing, you know. Um, but everything's always either either it's just about my emotions in a negative way or it's about a story that's been overlooked that usually involves death or um, just someone just being an ass, you know? And I, I haven't really ever written a happy song in my entire life, come to think about it. Jesus. Yeah, I don't know. I, uh, 
I feel like folks out there could relate, but I, I feel like, you know, with, um, with rock and roll and, you know, music in general, it's a lot of it is energy. Yeah. So yeah. maybe even if the lyrics aren't necessarily positive, that it, it could affect somebody positively. <laughs> I don't know. Sure. Yeah. Cause they can relate. There's some, someone doesn't feel like they're alone. That's the thing, you know? Yeah. And part of the problem in this world is there's people who are just some very dark deviant cats who kind of, but we're here about positivity kind of thing. And you know, they're full of it. And the fakeness kind of shows through and it's like, at least I'm kind of base value with, with what I'm writing, you know? Yeah. I think it's good. Yeah. I feel like that is great. That's fun. It's good to read. I, uh, there's a, I was just listening to this. Well, I'm a Zeppelin guy. I'm more of a Jimmy Page fan. Um, but, uh, there's a lyric when you said that you wrote a song, a love song about your kid. But my favorite song by Led Zeppelin is The Ocean. And there's a lyric. Yeah, no, so I don't know if you know. The lyric is somebody that was like, yeah, she's only four years old, but that's a real fine way to stop. And I was like, I never I never knew he was saying that. I was just like, what? beautiful thing you can say about a child, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's excellent. Yeah, so I know you, you, gosh, you have so much material, but uh, I was going to play this song. This um, this is a Mike Glennington song. It's called The Cure, and then um, we'll jump back on. We can talk about it. Nice. Beauty Radio. Beauty Radio. Radio. FM. I find it hard to get my mind at ease, but when the Worse than the disease. I find it hard to get my mind at peace. I try.
fun song mutiny radio man mutiny radio yeah gosh you know this virtual audience is more than ever now you know yeah it's interesting you know it's um there's definitely some good things i felt like gosh i really like that song so i I'm pretty sure that i saw i mean i saw you play live and it's fun to see an artist play live and then hear the studio version too and that freaking wild effect that you're playing or that uh, on the lead guitar, I don't know. I couldn't actually tell what it was. It was basically all the tone turned down. You know, when I work with other people to record, they wait till I leave the station, the recording studio, to add in the the witchery that goes in with it. I'm I'm a very meat and potato kind of guy in the studio, and they they add the reverb and all the the the, the chorus and all that after I leave because I'm just like, I want very little of that as possible. You know what I'm saying? And being a Jimmy Page fan that I am, I've actually given into a lot of my recent recordings where I do put in flanger, you know, here and there and all that, you know, so. That's great. I'm glad. I mean, you're, I'm glad to hear you're a Jimmy Page fan. I was telling someone on the show a couple weeks ago, there was some blues player I ran into in San Luis Obispo, gosh, back in 2008 and um, he was telling me about how he thought that Jimmy Page was the worst guitarist to ever live. And I'm thinking, oh, like, boy. how? I'm mean, just like, I'm kind of laughing because I just obviously, like, I mean, that's a matter of an opinion. But maybe if he Berkeley? was. You know, <laughs> so this was actually in San Luis Obispo, so kind of hippie, kind of, you know, hipster town, I guess. Yeah. Slow is kind of. Yeah. But he's from New York, and I was. I guess if you were like a blues guy and you're just like, you play the blues and that's exactly, that's all you play. And if somebody said that, I mean, cause there's definitely some blues influence in Zeppelin and Jimmy Page, but I, to, it's not, it's rock and roll. <laughs> you know, it's, I think, yeah. Let's go over a little history lesson over rock and roll here. Yes. If we did not have Robert Johnson, I'm convinced this is me. 
if we didn't have Robert Johnson, if we didn't have Muddy Waters, if we didn't have Lead Belly, all those cats, we would not have Chicago blues. Okay, then we would not have rock and roll. That's a fact. That's a fact. And we would not have the Beatles. We would not have Led Zeppelin. We would not have punk rock. We would not have Led Zeppelin. And the thing is, is let's 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 talk about some really unfortunate facts about Mr. Page. Okay, Mr. Page (laughs) is a Satanist. Okay, and I don't know what turned him into that religion, but it's you know the blues is. You know, Robert Johnson's whole legacy is based on him signing his soul to the devil. On that road in Louisiana, right? Or Mississippi? In the Mississippi and the crossroads, right. he, he let the devil tune his guitar at midnight in the in the full moon. And, you know, I I don't even think Page is really a saint. He just kind of ran with that ball just for shock value, maybe. Some people claim he really is one. I mean, the guy bought Aleister Crowley's house over in um, Loch Ness, for God's sakes. Wow. Um, you didn't know that? Um, no. Is that is that recent? I don't know. No, this was a long time ago. He does. This was a long, long <laughs> time ago. Aleister Crowley was uh, part of the Golden Dawn, and the Golden Dawn was was like one of the leading occults in the world at that time. I don't know what's going on these days with the occult. I'm not into the occult. Um, but you know, there, Satan's always been part of rock and roll. Yeah, you know, and so, you know, it's like when I tell people I'm, I'm, a, I'm, you know, Paige is a huge influence to me. I usually joke around and say I'm just not into the heroin, Satan, or the sixteen girls. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, gosh, yeah, it's amazing because I feel like it was more mainstream and people did it, and you know, and Keith Richards, and you know, that was kind of the thing that you did. You, yeah, it was part of the whole thing. You, you did it. Kids um, don't do that anymore. Yeah. If they do that, then God, yeah. Yeah. They try to get all domesticated on you and shit. Well, that means they'd have to get rid of their phones. They can't afford their phones. God forbid, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm a big Robert Johnson fan as well. Uh-huh. And yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. We have some similar, similar, um, roots. Um, I think that it's possible that Jimmy Page could have really been that influenced by Robert Johnson. That actually does make sense. But I mean, Chuck Berry, Hendrix, you know, all these guys. Like, yeah, like you're, you're totally right. Must be someone to play a Robert Johnson song. But well, um, I mean, it's not too hard to find a Robert Johnson tune. Just about every, you know. British Invasion Band, the first wave, second wave, and third wave, they all did a Robert Johnson tune one time or another. Yeah, so I think what's really interesting about it, and like you were saying, you're like Lead Belly, and all these underground at the time, you know, um, that were playing, and they were big back then, before, you know, the the TV and media became a big thing in the 50s. But um, there's something about... Um, yeah, I mean, like, resolved. Like, the first time, I, I hate to admit this, I was born in 1986. Um, and Good God. Yeah, I know, well, yeah. You're I, old, dude. I'm super old, not really. I don't know. I'm kidding with you. But, um, I'm, I'm 44, so. That's a great year. Yeah. Yeah, so um, the uh, the thing with uh, with that is that no, the first time. I'm 44 years old, dude. I wasn't born in 44. I was <laughs> 
<laughs> Holy shnikes. Yeah, I know. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, uh, <laughs> you sound really young. Thank you. Yeah, you got a young, youthful voice. <laughs> um, but there's so many of these songs that were resolved that I just never knew. You know, even for me, like, you know, and I was just like, come together. The first time I heard Come Together, it was done by Aerosmith, and that was that was the first version of it I heard. I didn't realize until version. later. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't realize until later that it was a Beatles song. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting, too. I mean, like, get, getting, you know, because we're in the Mission District, too, there was somebody that uh, called in, and she said, well, she had seen the, the um, Selena uh, movie when Jennifer Lopez has starred in it, and she thought that, Jennifer Lopez was Selena. <laughs> oh, wow. Because she was so young. I thought it was kind of cute. Yeah. Um, well, I, I know idiots who think that the Beatles saying, hey, we're the monkeys, so. Gosh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, all of this stuff has been resolved. Even the Beatles, I feel like, were taking um, stuff and resolving it. Um, but that's that's cool that Paige is giving credit to Robert Johnson. That's pretty badass. I mean, especially back then, too. Um, but uh, read Hammer of the Gods. You ever read that? Hammer of the Gods. Hammer of the Gods. It's the Led Zeppelin saga, and it's stuff that is just you would not believe. They had to be making some of this stuff up, but probably they did not make it up. And it's pretty gnarly. <laughs> it sounds gnarly and fun. <laughs> yeah. Um. So. I was going to listen a little little more. Was it this uh, song, Sung King? Right. And, um, gosh, you're just pumping out singles. Crazy. Yeah. That's, that's, well, okay. So, pumping out, me releasing singles now is, I've released whole albums before. And, you know, that was back in the day when the internet was a totally different beast. And so, you know, you don't really understand what the audience is like anymore because they change along with technology at times. And so the best way for me to be not just as a content creator, but I have to be my own marketer at times, is to release singles. And right now I'm releasing um, older material right now to see if people are still hanging because I have not released any new material in about three years because I want to see what's biting the most. Yeah. And so I don't have marketers helping me out. This is all that I've I've gone on YouTube and figured out a strategy through that. I've listened to people on the streets. I've watched people while I'm playing to see when I could play in front of people if they were talking or they were on their phones or they were cleaning out their belly buttons while I'm playing or they were deep into what I was doing. It, it, the decisions that I've made with music is based on what I'm watching, how people are reacting to it. And so my next bunch of material that be coming out could be techno for all I know. I don't know. It's what the audience wants. You know what I'm saying? And what feels good to me too. Yeah. That's fun. I mean, yeah, yeah I've just, I feel like, and I was talking to someone the other day, I was just, it's nice when something just organically comes together in the studio and when you're not, you know, overthinking it, you just go in there, you just play and it just writes itself almost. Right. That's yeah. Really fast. Awesome. Especially if you're in the studio and you're paying, what, how much is block time now in, the, in a studio? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, some of these places, I know Hyde Street Studios just recently reopened. I know that they're oh, closed. 
Um, oh, good. Yeah. You survived. Thank goodness, yeah. Okay, I was in their wonderful facility. The staff there is excellent. Pa- Pamela and um, Chris, they're, they're just top-notch musicians, and they're top-notch engineers. I couldn't recommend Hyde Street Studios enough. Give those people a call and help them out. Hyde Street Studios, San Francisco. Here That's we are. Right. This is uh, Mike Glennington live here, MediaRadio.fm. we got a virtual audience. This song is called Sun King. Mutiny Radio. Sun King was born. 
That thing's going to run out of battery soon, dude. Which thing? Are you still there? Hello? Oh, yeah, I'm still here. Yeah, are you there? That was a good track. Yeah, I'm here. Sun King. I was, um, what inspired me to write that song? Your, your volume's down big time, bro. Yeah, um, what inspired okay. you to write that song? Um, through a dream. I It was just a kind of a... You know, you hear every musician talk about this. I was going through a dark time, blah, 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 and I just had a nice dream. And, oh, that was my nice dream. It's a nice blues dream. I mean, it's a blues, nice blues song. It's the most positive song I probably have. Um, and I, um, Brian Collier uh, did the drums on it, and my friend Blair was played bass. Brian Collier was uh, a staff in Glee. Remember the old TV show? I, that sounds familiar. Why can't, I can't think of it. I need to probably need a refresher. Because it was a crappy ass show, but he was on <laughs> it. You know, most people like it. I was kind of, but he's a cool dude. He also played for Too Short, Lauren Hill, um, among other cats. Really nice guy. Um, doing a lot of session work. If you're looking for a good drummer on your uh, home recording studio stuff, I'm sure he'd be more than happy to help you out. Um, look up Brian Collier. I have to write um, that down. Yeah, actually writing that down right now. Yeah, it's inter- interesting times. I feel like you know, virtually, I don't know. I mean, you could almost have a jam session with somebody in a different. Um, there was somebody yeah. I was talking to. They were collaborating with someone in Chicago. Yeah. They had somebody else in L.A., which is cool. But I mean, when you get back to real life, it's like you want to go on tour and maybe or maybe not. You know, depending on. I don't know about that, dude. You know what, man? My guitar teacher, Alex Skolnick, he, uh, he's, he's quarantined himself, and he's just having a good old time playing with all these cats from all these other bands. He has the bass player from Suicidal Tendency with him. No way. You know, and then some other guy from, I forget what the drummer was from, but there's some great footage of him. You know, Testament's not touring right now because of this thing. And so he's just staying home and just having a last you know i don't think the guy will ever leave the house after this yeah i mean that sounds that's sounds pretty fun i uh i've yeah i feel, feel like i wish i would have kept in touch with my i had a professor in in college uh music professor uh-huh. and um his name was george stone believe it or not nice he said he never smoked pot in his life but i don't know can you imagine if your last name was stone well you know you the, that's a, that's a tricky name to live by, you know. I I had a my, my mother-in-law, she worked for a guy named Wiener, and <laughs> you know it was just like the guy was a supervisor, and I'm sure that guy had to be super nice to people, super nice to people, because he was just gonna be the butt of everyone's joke <laughs> if he was not cool. You know what I'm saying, dude? So it's like you got a lot to live up to one way or another, I guess, with a name like that, dude. <laughs> yeah those one syllable last names are easy to remember too i know yeah, somebody I named just, ronnie stone i think he's listening in right now yeah i just i just hope wiener's first name wasn't richard that's all i got to say oh um, my gosh yeah that'd be awful um gosh i was looking up my name or yeah i was looking up my name and i have kind of a gringo name i guess um uh-huh super american there's like a bazillion people there's probably your name is probably pretty pretty common huh like if you were to get a look Mike. up oh yeah especially your first name most oh, common god my parents were assholes for naming me that 
but I, <laughs> <laughs> are, are we FCC? I mean, are we FCC viewed or? Um, you know what is I? I'm, I wonder if they could listen in. Maybe they're listening in right now. I will be. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I I I, I kind of chewed on my tongue. I have a, a speech impediment. What I meant. <laughs> so, no, but my last name is Glenn Denning, and it's Scottish for thief. Glenn Denning. And, That's cool. Yeah, That's great. Glenn Denning. Yeah, and and people mispronounce my last name all the time, especially people in Safeway. People in Safeway, when they had to say your last name, like back in the day, they would just kind of mumble it or they cough in the middle of it. <laughs> You know, or they would just act like they can't speak English at all. When I heard the guy have a full conversation with like two guys before me, you know, but you know, it, it's 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 pretty funny to have a name like that. Um, but yeah, the whole last name—it's a Scottish last name. We stole horses, you know, and I kind of crack jokes about that because it's like we came from Scotland and then we came to the United States. We went from I always tell people we went from eating blood pudding to eating roadkill. Yeah, that's an interesting way to put it. I don't know. For some reason, that sounds great. Um, yeah, I mean, blood pudding and roadkill. Yeah. Well, because we all went to the south. I mean, we could have went to California. We could have went to New York. But no, we went to the south. So it was, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Bagpipes to banjos kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Bam packs. That's a, that's a great comparison. Yeah, I am. Um, yeah, there's something about yeah. So my my last name is Mast. My biological last name. So my my first name Justin Mast. Where's that from? I don't know. Well, there's just if you look up my first name, there is like a bazillion people with my name. Right. And I always went by J W ever since I was a kid, and so the. You know, my last name, I met, I was looking up my name because I was joking around with someone. I was like, gosh, you know, if you look up my name, I don't know if, um, my, you know, Glenn uh, Dining. Glenn uh, Denning, yeah. Denning, if, the, if that's a common, as common of a last name as mine. But I was looking up and uh, there was somebody because I used to get, you know, in, in you know, because my last name is Mass. So um, there was a, there's somebody, his name was Justin Richard Mast. Because, huh. you know, because Richard, you know, short for Richard is Dick. Uh, right, right, so I right. thought, that, I mean, when I saw it, I was like, gosh, you'd have to, to live with that name. The, the wizard's name, Tim Allen, the guy, in, well, I, well, I can't think of his last, his his last name, biological last name was actually Dick. Oh, really? really? This is the actor? Yeah. Tim Allen, the actor. Why can't I think of his actual biological name, but someone who's telling me that that... That's funny. Yeah. Um... I just I can't imagine. I don't know. It's um I had a, a, a someone in high school, teacher in high school, um, Mr. We called him Mr. D. <laughs> just like, oh my God. Hey, I, I knew a guy. I, the guy who there's this guy who did some drums for me like back in the day, and his last name was Ho, and his first name was Rootsud, and he refused to be called Dick. <laughs> 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 Whatever you do, don't call me that, man. Or else you just get kind of, it's already been a mess on job interviews. I'm like, okay, dude. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh, I, I actually know somebody named Richard Couch. <laughs> yeah. 
God yeah. is mean, dude. It could be worse. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I guess names are names are pretty fun. But I mean, I go by JW Blunt because I don't know. I'm trying to break down on unconscious bias over here. I don't know. I yeah. feel like blunt. You know, it's got triple meaning, right? I don't know. The only I only can think of one blunt, bro. <laughs> <laughs> JW Blunt. <laughs> how you how you spell it? What B L U N T, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah, no, I wish I could talk to Snoop Dogg and the commander-in-chief right now simultaneously and tell him that I'm J.W. Blunt is the cure to whatever the fuck is happening right now. Yeah, dude. Well, I'm the know, Uncle I mean, Tom. No, I'm just kidding. Well, no, dude, you could totally just, like, with that kind of name, you, you, you should try to get a job at a dispensary and be, like, the, the poster child of the dispensary, <laughs> you know? That's what I do with that name, you know? Yeah. Gosh. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, as far as actually changing it, I don't I don't know if I will. I don't know. Uh-huh. But just for me, gosh, I think I was 19 or 20 years old, and I was on the streets, you know, downtown San Luis Obispo, and I kind of didn't, I kind of, everyone knew who I was, and I don't know, I feel like with J.W. Blunt, I kind of have this, alter identity or something right. that I could morph into and then I could go back to being whatever, you know. When you were at an SLO, did you ever go to a place called the Clubhouse? Was it Okay, so there was a place, it, it's been called a couple of uh, different, so Slow Town Brew, but it might have been, so was it, do you remember what street it was on? It was in the middle of the woods. It was like an old sheet. It was dated about 200 years ago where a guy built this, like, farm for his daughter and son-in-law, and it's been around since then, and they turned it into a uh, restaurant-slash-club, and it's one of those haunted places in California. I think I know what you're talking about. I wonder if it's yeah, called dude. the same thing. Yeah, and we went over there a few times. We, every time we, I was in town playing music, um, we would go over and check the place out, and the guy, the, the owner, would come up to me going, dude, I just got this whole place rewired. I got a loan out to get this place rewired, and the lights are still flickering everywhere around here. And it was so bad that there was a, um, it was on a, one of those haunting shows where, you know, psychics come in to go try to talk to people, what's oh, going on. I know and, what you're talking about, um, yeah. It was a trip. It was a trip, dude. It, the place was like we're going there, and there were just all the lights were like flickering throughout the whole place and shit. It was trippy, dude. That's pretty cool. The clubhouse. I don't know if they changed the name or what. I don't know. The owner was a really cool dude. There's pictures of me playing there. That um, it was. The photos were taken by a young lady named April Wise, who I was an SF name. Oh wow! Um, so she's nearby. Shout out. Yeah, yeah. It was a trip. She moved from there to over here, and it was really cool to see that. Um, but, yeah, San Luis Obispo has some really trippy places over there, dude. Yeah. Uh, Frog and Peach. Have you been there? Mm, I might have. It's It's been years since I've been over there, dude. Yeah. It's opening. I mean, like, it's, it's open. I mean, everything else here in the Bay Area. So I don't know if you're actually in. Are you in San Francisco or? I'm I am nearby. in Albany across the bay. I'm I'm like if if you're in Berkeley and you fall off if you fart off your porch, 
and the wind's just the right direction, I will probably smell it, dude. No way. You're that yeah. close, just to skip it across, yeah. Yeah, dude. I'm I'm screaming distance. That's awesome. Yeah. From Berkeley, I don't know. I uh, actually, before I moved out to the city, I lived in um, Temescal, right next to Where's a bar that? called Kingfish Pub. Where is that? I never heard of that. Where's that at? It's on Telegraph and Claremont. Oh. It's, yeah, you know, so it's interesting being an East Bay native in that area. I never considered that to be Oakland. I always thought it was Berkeley. Uh, so, you, I yeah. mean, you're in you're in Oakland until you pass 66th Street on yeah. the north side of 24. Uh-huh. And so I didn't even, I didn't realize, that was a really freaking awesome place. To, I, I actually really enjoyed it. But um, yeah. I think, gosh, back in 2012, it was 1050 for a one-bedroom to wow. rent. Wow. But, uh, you know, it's like Oakland's just filled with all these places that it's like these little communities that you just don't know about. I didn't know about Montclair till about three years ago. Yeah, there's some nice parts there. Yeah, I think Montclair, I know it, I, I've been there. I think I dropped off the yeah, I've been to the post office. They got a, a hamburger place right there off the 13 um, called Sparky's. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely. A, I was just raised right on the other side of the hill uh, from mm-hmm. that in a Castro Valley. Yeah, I was raised there. No way, we're from the same place. Okay, I was raised in. I was I was pretty much brought up in Castro Valley, but after about 12. After I was 12, I was raised in unincorporated Hayward, which is the border of Castor Valley and San Leandro. Castor Valley was literally my backyard. And so I was going to the Castor Valley That's... School District for a short amount of time. And I got so many freaking fist fights over there that I finally went to San Lorenzo, although I was living in San Leandro. I wound up having to go to San Lorenzo because I was in that school district. It's, it's really all messed up over there, dude. But... Yeah. Yeah. It's so a trippy little area. I, it is a trip. Yeah. So I lived way back in the canyon. I ended up going to the uh, uh, California High School in the San Ramon Valley School District. Uh huh. So I, I was, yeah. It was, um, it's different. But uh, San, we, San Ramon? we were, yeah, yeah, San Ramon, yeah. Okay. Yeah, like Norris Canyon. Uh-huh. You know, like there. Yeah. So um. Oh wait. Oh, so way like, down there. So if you, you were like part of Castro Valley, but you had to go to San Ramon, school, the school of San Ramon? Yeah, the line. So okay. like, yeah. I mean, at one point, um, the lines, they had changed. Like my my dad and my uncle and my cousins, um, my oldest cousin went to San Ramon Valley High School. Uh-huh. And so they okay. changed the lines and then they, they started, you know, they got a new middle school and they kind of changed things up. Um, for that. But uh, you know what's so, funny so, is that Pam actually went to San Ramon Valley too. She's here now. Oh, oh this wow. World. Okay. Okay. And so it's like I know Castor Valley is so huge that people don't know about it. And it's like those roads like Cole Canyon, and there's this other road that goes past Canyon Middle School that it goes way down. It's still in Castor Valley, but you're in other school districts, huh? Yeah, it's way out there. Yeah. Yeah. And. I had a friend who lived out in that area to where he had, Christ, man, he had about three acres in his backyard, and it was like Disneyland almost. 
Yeah, it's uh, it was a different life, um, especially you know, um, my uh, gosh, because my family's been there forever. My grandparents, you know, um, went to San Ramon Valley Grammar School before it was there. Um, but you had Val's was the closest burger place to go to. Uh huh. That was the that was Val's is a pretty signature spot. There, I'm sure you've been there, huh? Probably. It's right. Um, it's right off a of Grove. So when Crow Canyon turns into Grove. Groveway. Uh, yeah. So it's right there. It's kind of hidden there but wow yeah. it's just it's is it still there it is yeah so i mean nice. i don't even know they're probably still open i mean they're family owned and and ran they're right there uh of a grove um way in castro gosh you know what I, that's kind of what you're talking about like it's that's kind of one of those borderline places where it's kind of hayward it's kind of yeah. san leandro and it's kind of borderline there yeah, I think things get kind of a little fishy there. So I don't know. Is it um, Castro Valley might even be? Um, is it not zone? What is the, what is the right word to say? It is it non incorporated. Yeah, that could be that's, non. That's, that's what I figured, but it's they call it unincorporated Hayward, and so I'm, I'm off 100. I was I was raised off 167 pretty much, so it was kind of the hood area, you know. The, the cool thing about that area, though, dude, was it's like there were always people there to help you exercise. You know, there, there's these nice gentlemen around there that used to put um, with spray paint XIV. And so when you saw that, you kind of had to walk a little faster. Really nice guys. They, they'd help you move out of your house even though you didn't want to move. <laughs> you know, you know if, they, if, if they saw you, they chase after you and, you know, they probably thought you need a little cardio in your life. So you, you had to run just to make, you know, they like to play tag. They didn't play very nicely though. Cause if they caught you, they, you know, they rough you up a little bit, but that was part of the game, you know? So, um, that kind of area, you know, there are a lot of people, people like that to play with, you know, um, you know, people used to like to play cops and robbers over there, except it involved real cops and real robbers. But they just kind of avoid those games. But it was a fun area. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, five one zero. Yep, five one zero, dude. Keeping it real. Yeah. Yeah, it's um. You know, I feel like there's so many compounding things happening in the universe right now. But I was totally joking around um, with someone. Um, she happens to be quarantining, you know, with some roommates and, a, you know, families nearby. And she's an East Bay native, too. And I was just, gosh, you know, we should just go on a road trip and be like um, full house or something, you know. And just pile everyone in. Just <laughs> go on a road trip because it's just, I feel like we're still in the um, the height of this lockdown that's what it feels like everyone's been trapped up for three months and it's just like i feel like it's been good for the art um it has yeah i feel like there's a lot of yeah there's a lot of things you know but you know man i i I went on a little road trip last summer man and i was kind of stuck in the midwest a little bit and from what i saw you know i heard all these rumors about all this stuff in the midwest and i was like ah dude that can't be true just about 90% of it was true, you know? I was like, I was at this massive, like, super truck stop over in Nebraska. And it's like, if you had to take a shower, they'd call you by name. And, I mean, it was, like, a wow. huge place with all these restaurants. And 
I, I look over and there's a family of five that just ordered a pizza and they're, you know, eating on this, this little restaurant area. And there are about five teeth between these people. <laughs> 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 it's just like, holy cow. Everyone had gun racks and shit. And I was just like, wow, dude. You know? Yeah. I'm sure everyone's middle name was, so was, was Sue and Joe and, Bobby and shit, so I was like, I gotta get out of here. Yeah. I wonder, you gosh, you know, as I, I thought, you know, when I, yeah, I mean, who knows who's packing the heat these days? <laughs> I, I feel like, you know, the rifles and that kind of thing, that's not as, like, I don't know. You just never know. I, uh, I actually saw, and this is just, like, between, yeah, us and the radio and everyone that's listening. Um, I'm not informing any officers or anything, and I'm definitely not a narc. Uh, but I had seen somebody get tased at this this peaceful protest at City Hall, and this guy was a douchebag, and he probably deserved it. But it was the first time that I saw someone get tased. You get used to it after a while. <laughs> You've been tased? <laughs> I've never been tased. I've, I've, <laughs> I've been, I've been pepper sprayed on accident a few times in the '90s, but we won't get into that. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you don't feel comfortable, anything goes. No, it's I can. A joke too. I remember the first time I was with my mom and I was at a Rayleigh's, and I walked out with her and my little brother, and I saw this grown man crying in front of the place and my mom had seen said that he had gotten pepper sprayed. Yeah. And I was so young I didn't even know what that was. Well, mostly my pepper spray incidences were out of drunken stupors. And so one time I'm walking around at two in the morning and you know, in the canisters it says spray once in a while to, you know, make sure the thing's flowing through and everything. And so at two in the morning, I'm walking around, just get some air, and I sprayed it just for the hell of it. And, and so I go home, and I had to go to the bathroom, and I forgot to <laughs> no, wash my hands. No, no, I can imagine. My heart goes out to people who suffer from genital herpes. My heart goes to every <laughs> one of them, because I think that's the closest thing I ever felt, dude. And I didn't wash my hands, and I went number one, and I remember just kind of going, oh. Oh, oh, God. Oh, oh. Yeah, no, that's not cool. I hope you had a gallon of milk or something in the refrigerator. I've heard that. Milk ain't gonna, milk, ice, the 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 Arctic ain't gonna help you, bro. You're you're in pain. You're you're hopping like a kangaroo. You're screaming every name you can think of. And then it just, and you're like, oh, ooh, ooh. Yeah, I mean, any, anything, even if you weren't a guy, you know, you you were down there, you know, yeah, dude. You know, taco, or I mean, anything that you had going on and you touched it genitally, um, wow. Any VV feels like that, dude. My heart goes to you. It does, man. I'm just like, wow. And therefore, I've, I've washed my hands consistently also, although I haven't touched a canister of anything. In several years, I still wash my hands all the time because of that one incident. So that's probably why I haven't gotten sick from the coronavirus. Yeah. Gosh, you know, I don't think I've met anyone that has come up positive 
for COVID-19 necessarily. I've, I've heard of folks that have are experiencing symptoms or have experienced symptoms of COVID-19 and they're just quarantined, uh-huh. but have never actually met anyone that had COVID, came up for COVID. Yeah, I mean... I'm I, actually starting to know a few people that I've known a long time that they've got it. They're, they're fine now. Um, but I just found out before this interview that... Um, one of Albany's own um, lost their lives to it, actually, and it was a young person, younger than me. So um, I would, you know, it, it, it's like. Do you want, do you know his name or her name? Yeah, but I'm, I kind of want to keep it under That's wraps fine. because I just I don't know the full details of it and respect of the family. I feel you there. That's that kind of what I I hear about all these people, you know, moving on, passing away. But I don't have all the facts, and I'm not a doctor, right. you know, and I don't know the tests of the results and what it was. But I know that back in the 70s and 80s, that you know, cigarettes and were big things that it caused cancer, and right. it got to a point at one point in the hospital that if you wrote that this person died of cigarette smoke, that you would get a write-off. That the really? ho- yeah the federal write-off and i'm wondering if that's some of it from what i heard and this is goes off what you're saying about you know um your fr- you know somebody acquaintance that passes like i don't know the facts so it's like i don't i don't want to talk it because i don't know the facts but it's a fact that a lot of folks that were written down to have died of cigarette smoke smoking back in the 70s and 80s some of them never smoked a cigarette in their life. Yeah, well, a lot of people who worked in bars, you know, none, none of them smoked, and they had lung cancer after working in a bar for 30 years. Um, but you know what's interesting, though, is I've ran into people who have loved ones who've passed away from cancer. They know this for a fact because they were hospice to these people, and on their death certificate, it said that they died from the coronavirus, which is BS. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I as a dad, I'm not taking this very lightly. I'm doing mostly what I'm told to do. There's times where I need to go out and just be a knucklehead, but I don't – I do it in a safe manner. Um, and, you know, but it's it's a thing where, you know, if, if, so, if, if I'm being BSed, there's going to be hell to pay. I feel you there. I'm glad that we see eye to eye on that. I don't know. I find that a lot of times it's just like, yeah, people are full of shit, man. Yeah, yeah. And I call, I mean, I'm I'm a nice person. I know we've seen it and we maybe ran into each other a couple times. I'm a nice person. People that know me, they know that I'm a nice person. You're a cool dude. Yeah, I mean, you are too. I mean, I'm a, you know, but I notice that if you you call someone out on something, that sometimes, like, you mean, some of these people are full of shit and they just ramble on, and then you call them out on it. And it's like, you know, I'm a supporter, a strong supporter of freedom of speech, and you, I've listened to your opinions for everything. But it's funny the second that I say something, that you get all offended. Exactly. And I, I think it's hilarious. I actually think it's funny. Well, it's it's it's, it's what's really interesting about this whole Corona thing is, first off, everyone brags about I'm for science. I'm for science. And not one per. I, I see four different sets of numbers on how something's going to affect something. 
that's the one thing. And when you bring it up, then then the person who's full of science will sit there and go, how would you feel when your family's part of the blah, blah, blah epidemic, blah, 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 blah. And that part really makes me mad when you throw my kid into trying to win an argument with me. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a punch below the belt, and that's how I write people off pretty much. Um, but I've had some really creepy situations where I've asked simple questions like, when this started breaking out, dude, it was like, I'm, I'm asking, okay, is, is this, is it rich people getting this? Is it poor people getting this? Is it middle class people? Is it fast food workers? Is it, and I would be interrupted on Facebook by somebody going, this is a serious situation. You need to shut the F up and wash your hands and stay home. And it was very fascist by how I was being approached. And this has happened multiple times where I've written people off, but what's really creepy is I went to Safeway and I started talking to one of the employees and we started like comparing what numbers we've heard. And we started comparing what we've seen comparing to what we've heard. And we started kind of going, okay, something is not settling right here. And a guy would came right up to us and goes, you don't know what it's like to see your sister hooked up to a ventilator. I do know what it's like to see my sister hooked to a ventilator, and I've seen her die on a ventilator. So this guy needed to shut the F up before I let wow. him have it. that guy really fucked up. Man. And several years ago, I had to watch my sister go on a ventilator. So this guy was, was cruising for a bruising. And so I basically... Just like I ignored him, and he kind of got into our business even more. He goes, do you know what it's like to not be able to breathe? And I looked at him, and I said, you go about your business, dude. <laughs> and it was modest, it was, yeah. I don't know if this dude was – it just looked suspicious. I don't know if this was a – if this guy was seriously having a problem or this, or this guy was – brainwashed i don't know what the guy's situation was but there was a there's other ways of contributing to this conversation instead of being loud about it see that's the thing he's being rude he's trying to bring attention to himself and i found that really suspicious yeah you know um i did uh music to a soundtrack um to a short movie just recently and it was about the pandemic and it's it they, they said that it was it was a, a fear disease, and I'm beginning to really like. think that it is. I mean, it exists. People are dying from it. It's nothing to laugh at. You need to be careful about it. But I think the fear is more effective than what's going on with the disease, dude. I, I 100% agree. I thought that that song that you had, The Cure, um, was the perfect song to start out with because the actual cure is worse than this disease, right? I don't know. That's what it feels like. It's just like the fear is worse than what it actually is. And an opinion with my personal and professional experience. Uh I haven't seen anyone die from this disease, but I've taken every caution to prevent that. Right. Um, Yeah, so it's, um, it's interesting. I feel like, you know, I, people are pretty narcissistic too. I mean, this this person yeah. that like yeah. sounded like this guy just or girl had a big freaking ego, and they just had a. I don't know. It's just. Uh, well, I 
I've noticed that a lot of people on 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 social media when they start making a when they start going, you don't know what it's like, you don't blah blah blah. You know, it's like when I usually get deep into a conversation on social media, usually you'll I'll get like about a hundred comments easy, and I'll go on this person's page who's belittling me, and hardly anybody participates on their page. They'll they'll like their they'll like their own comments. Let's just put it that way, dude. <laughs> Liking your own comments is like taking your sister to the prom, dude. It's kind of like okay, love man. that. It's great. Or you're taking yourself to, or you're taking yourself out on a date. It looks desperate, bro. So you know. I know like, what you're talking about. <laughs> there's several people who do that, dude. You know, it's like it's 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 kind of like I don't know, man. It's doing weird sex shit to yourself. It's like, come on, man. You could have just done that behind closed doors. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have to say and have to be honest with you. Um, God, you know, as I, I got to a certain point where I was just, I'm fucking tired of seeing people die. Um, maybe it's not in San Francisco or anyone I know, but I, I had made, so I was just like, gosh, it's just like, I don't, I just am done seeing people die. I mean, uh-huh. and how much, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you, what you read and like you said, the whole fear thing, how much, I mean, this coronavirus is a real thing, but is it, is it this serious? Because this whole whatever else is going on in the world seems much more serious than this virus. It feels when, that way. When, when we are forced to pay attention to something, there's something else going on. There's something elusive going on that, that they don't want you to know about. Remember that whole, remember the second wave of the whole kneeling with, with the Super Bowl that happened a few years ago? Not the first wave, but the second wave where everybody was starting to argue about all that crap with Nike. Remember that? Um, was that what, that was before, that was before Colin Kaepernick or was out after? No, it was the second round of, 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 of what, what happened with that guy. And everybody's panties were all in a bunch about it again. Yeah. Remember that the second I, round while this was going on, the what happened while that was going on, everyone was over Nikes, is, and and the and in the NFL, the the, the um, European Union passed Article 11 and 13, which was to make links taxable with anything that was going on in 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 the um, European Union, and not just that, dude, but it was also going to make um, you're not being able to use copywritten material on YouTube. I have not seen this this um, law enforced yet, but it passed with flying colors through the um, European Union. And I know for a fact that if the United States, people like me were aware of that, we would have gone ape shit and threw fits. Because um, it's just, it, it stops the freedom of speech. Um, yeah, I know that that BMI and ASCAP were, were clicking their heels on it, and that's the other side of the coin, man. But you know, there's a lot of information that can be used in order to borrow one's material to put in your own material. You know, it's like I'm a big Star Wars fan. Me too. And so there's a lot of cats who who had theories on what was going to happen in the next Star Wars movies and stuff. All that stuff supposedly was supposed to get shut down. I have not checked in to see if those are still up. Um, I've been pretty busy. I haven't really been into Star Wars. The last three movies were kind of lame, if you ask me, but that's just <laughs> my opinion. 
Um, it's irrelevant to what we're talking about anyways. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's art. I don't know. Kind it's of art. It's, it, it, it's art. It's art. But if you're a diehard like me, um, you know, it, it seemed like the last movie they were really trying to cover their asses for all the oopsies they made. Um, but, but anyways, it was kind of a thing where you could not borrow from other people's stuff. And, and one thing that I heard that they were doing was if there was a tornado here in San Francisco and you and I both pulled out our phones and you filmed it before me, if I tried to use the film that I had, that was copyright infringement automatically. Wow. Which means that the government gets hold of a story that you cannot use your version of the story because it's an infringement and it, you can get sued for using it. Um, these laws Somebody passed. Had a good law, <laughs> Article 11 and 13, dude, through the EU, it passed about two years ago. Um, I watched several videos on it, and then I've watched, um, I've, I've listened to so-called experts on it, and they said that it was irrelevant what I was talking about. I don't know, dude. Make up your own mind. Yeah, I can, I can but see. But usually, when there's big, big media things going on like this disease and stuff, there's something going on in the background, dude. Don't fall for the escape. Yeah, here. yeah. I mean, I'm I'm glad that you were on the same page. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there, and like you said, that guy in the grocery store is insulting you for no reason because he's got this big inflated ego, and he needs to tell you that. You know, what would you think of your daughter, you know, or your, um, you know, the sickening that people just have this big ego and they feel like they need to tell you what to do because that's what they read and their brain is so small. I'm not trying to be sizist or anything, but their brain is, they can't get that this could be, I mean, there's somebody has control over the media. It's not, Yep. I don't know, we're on the radio. I mean, we're no... We're definitely not fake news. <laughs> That's for exactly. sure. Exactly. But um, yeah. So I mean, like we, d- somebody has the money, or somebody is able to control the media. So that's all that we're able to see when we well, go on. Let me tell you something, dude. I I come from another. I I work from another station. That I don't want to use the name. I've been to several stations actually through the years. And I've seen some really horrific stuff. I've, we, you know, I've, <laughs> I did a show with several other guys, and we heard some stuff while we were trying to do our show that was really creepy. We would hear, hear Muzak while we were trying to do our show, and it came out of nowhere. We had no explanation for it. We had no explanation on why the computer was doing the what it was doing. There's none of that. And, you know... As much as the particular station was promoted, we did not get the numbers we thought we should get. When you know, I've I've seen Mutiny's numbers. Mutiny's numbers are pretty damn good. Yeah. And it... we never really got those numbers. And I'm thinking we were being jinxed by the FCC or by Google. I'll be honest to God with you, dude. We 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 did. We talked a lot of anti-Google stuff because when I was doing shows there. The Japanese government and Google were collaborating on making a supercomputer that would track people down who were saying anti um, – in Japan, in China, they would say – they would trace down everybody who were anti-communist in China, and it would affect their, um, their, their, their score 
you know, you'd get a score and the lower your score is the, the less chances of you getting a loan for a house, a car, um, things like a credit card, anything like that, dude. And, and Google helped make that. And we, we were going on an anti Google rampage for a little bit. Wow. That uh, sounds like a system or says, seismic, uh, um, bias against that firm. Yeah, to, I, I don't know. I, I I definitely agree, and I feel like you know, I got into um, to outside um, distribution, outside sales when I was 24, and I feel like I walked into this company at the right time because it was just like everything was just like going our way. It was like we worked out a deal with Google or something, and then you know you search for whatever product i was distributing like candies and we're the first thing that comes up or something like it just seemed too good to be true like these people i'd go and give a high five to in downtown san francisco in 2011 all of a sudden they're coming through as a lead on the website and i'm just like what the fuck it was like it almost seemed like it was too it was almost too good (laughs) yeah i don't know and I, i i find that and you know and i've seen it before you know I think even Jim Morrison was saying that the media is God. I'm just like, well, that, that seems kind of weird. Maybe it'd be funnier if you actually heard him say it than to read it. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, somebody has control over that. Google has control over that. Yeah. You know, there was this um, company, they they bought this, you know, Warren, we'll just say, for example, Warren Buffett, you know, buys, sees candies in 1972. Back then, in 1972, people weren't going online to buy things yet. Right. So to own a website, you know, but I, I, there's this company that bought this other company, but they didn't buy the website. <laughs> yeah, keep in mind, dude, Jim Morrison also said that LSD was a new kind of wine, so you got to take that stuff. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, believe me, I definitely do. I definitely Long do. Long-ass wine, man. 12 hours ain't no wine, bro. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, no, he... uh and when that you it, got some, when you got Yoda crawling up your leg with a knife in his teeth, man, that ain't no wine. Yeah, that's pretty wild. I know that Brian Epstein, um, from the you know the Beatles manager, actually slipped some LSD in their coffee and didn't tell nice. them about it, because back then it wasn't like they didn't. I don't think they really knew the effects of it. No, it was it was formed by the CIA to to do you know experiments on on towns and stuff. Gosh, I don't know. Maybe that was the coronavirus of the time. I don't know. I mean, it's just, yeah. I feel like this this whole thing could have this um, this coronavirus and everything that's happening. It almost feels like it could almost have been manufactured. This whole thing. I'm not saying that it was, but it's just like. Well, there there is an odd amount of pro, certain amount of protein in this virus that is in no other type of uh, infl- influenza virus. Um, there's a certain type of acid and a certain type of protein that has more of that than any other virus known to mankind, which is raising suspicion. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah I'm not I'm not super into conspiracies, but I. I do, like you said, it, it feels, something doesn't smell right. Yeah, well, when has anything smelled good around here, bro? I don't know. <laughs> Things are pretty sanitized around here. <laughs> I'm just uh, kidding. I don't know, dude. 
Yeah, I think you're. I think there's some truth to that for certainly. I uh. The, the more I smell Lysol, the more I smell shit, bro. <laughs> yeah, it, somebody um, somebody had told me, and gosh, they'd probably be right. Breathing in Lysol, and people that are listening, and breathing in that Lysol is probably worse than this fucking virus. Really? Maybe not. That was pretty extreme. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't had a can of Lysol in years. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just uh, maybe it was. I don't know what it what it is, um, but yeah, somebody had some friends. You know, gosh, this is a while ago now. I mean, yeah, breathing in that can't be good for you. I don't know. What's Maybe in they, it, Ash? Just alcohol, right? I think so. But, you know, this is somebody's opinion. Who knows if it's real? They're not a doctor either. And that's what it is. That guy at the, the convenience store, the grocery store, like you were saying, this guy isn't a doctor, and he's trying to tell you how to live your life. Well, he's sitting there saying his sister's on a respirator, which I feel horrible. First off, he doesn't know what I've seen. Second off, you know, it's like he didn't hear this whole conversation either. You know, and and we're two young men here. I, well, I'm four. I was 44. This this guy was probably in his late 30s. And, you know, we already know that there, there's some 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 crap going on with with the federal government against its own people. It's always been like that. So it's like anytime anything like this happens. You know, you, you automatically freeze up like, okay, what's going on now? Why are they doing this? You know, we're, we're both kind of, we've, we've seen, I can tell he's seen his parents get screwed, and I've seen my parents get screwed to a point where we're just like, okay, well, what's going on here? You know, so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it just kind of gets to the point where you just, Yeah. That's why I feel like rock and roll is great. It's great to have that creative outlet. Exactly, but you know, it's just hyper vigilance of what's going on around you. You know. And yeah, you sound like you're. I, it's cool, man. I'm. I'm glad you were able to, yeah, call in today because you're even more of a philosopher than I thought. Well, it depends who's listening. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I um. Yeah, there's some philosophy in there. Wow. But I feel bad. like you know, we like you were saying, you you guys were playing at a uh, at a radio station, and you're playing, and there was all this weird shit coming through the speakers. You said I was hosting a talk show. I was hosting a talk show at this one station with uh, three other guys, and we were trying to get a thing where it was like Howard Stern meets the View kind of thing, and so. Like the first episode, I forget what we were talking about, but it was just we were flooded with with music. It was like elevator music, that's and so strange. that station cannot play a damn note of that because I I've, I've spent a lot of time on that that system of computers in this particular place, and it was totally uncharacteristic of what was going through the speakers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I've had that happen. I'm sure other people out there listening in, like, where you've been playing, like, I've done it before. I'm maybe playing a bass, playing guitar, and there's some weird radio wave that comes through. There, there, dude, there's no musical instruments in there. Nobody is playing any musical instruments. There is no um, 
you know, nobody's amps were wired funky. There, there were no amps to really bring in different kind of signals because the chassis was broken inside the amp or nothing like that, dude. Because um, usually when you get radio signals, you've got, a, you've got a broken chassis in your head, in a tube head, or, you know, you, you've got a um, solid-state amp that, that's wired all funky and, you know, the ground's not right. None of that. It, it was just a few guys are we were basically just us and, and the computer system that plays the music. Um, the guy who owned the state, who owns the station is top notch. He knows what he's doing. He knows everything about that whole system inside out. And, and he, he would have gave us a heads up before it happened. So it was weird. Yeah. I know. I feel like that kind of goes all the way back to when you were talking about Robert Johnson and the devil. It was like, oh. I don't know. It's kind of feels like, I don't know. I yeah, there's something that's there's like a ghost or something in the room. You got these weird like music going in. You're like, what the fuck? When you want to speak the truth, dude, and you want to say a bunch of things people think people should hear, but everyone's heads in the sand, the devil's gonna show up. Yeah, it's his playground. You know, that is great. I feel like not. that's a great simile. Gosh, I, yeah, that's great. I um. So I'm like some some singing a some ACDC actually on the way over here to the station. I was a little um, yeah. There's definitely the devil in the ACDC. There's some devil in there. Don't you think? I don't know if you're an ACDC fan. I you know what, dude? I I liked ACDC until I listened to Bone all the time. <clears throat> and I think ACDC is turning into the. The, you know, like the retirement music of, of a whole generation. It's like my dad used to listen to Motown all the time when I was a kid. Oh, that's fun. And now it's kind of thing where it's like people are listening to ACDC, and I can see a lot of retirement homes of people forgetting where they put their teeth and shit and fucking listen to ACDC and mm-hmm. stuff, you know. Complaining that that their depender are packed, you know, while ACDC is being blasted, you know. So I don't know, dude. I used to like ACDC. I love Bon Scott, but I don't know. ACDC is just kind of the gateway of getting old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I can see that. I um, you said that you said that your dad was into Motown. Um, well, I was a kid. I think he just played. Did you get burned out of it? Did he or me? Did you? Um. I didn't really get into that type of music till I got older. Um, I always joke around with my daughter that um, I used to spend a lot of time in the recording studio, and in that studio was a mixing board that was used in a lot of Motown recordings. I used to change her diaper underneath that board. And so I, you know, I always tell her, you know, if you ever get into music and somebody starts telling you, let me tell you what, it's like, and she can just sit there and say, you know, my, my dad changed my diaper underneath mixing boards that were using Motown, Motown <laughs> a-hole. So That's badass. <laughs> you know, but, you know, it, I, I've never really gotten into Motown. I love the story behind it. I love the marketing genius behind it. I love the, them, you know, them and Chess Records, man. It was just like, they made it happen. They made that was, that was the American dream. That was the entrepreneurship you don't hear about anymore. Yeah, 
There's someone that's really cool. Did you ever get into the Queen of Motown? No. Maybe she's a little too mainstream. Um, I I never really, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just can't imagine. I mean, like, there's some people still left around from that era, too. I mean, I know Diana Ross is still out there somewhere. Well, you want to hear something interesting, dude? In West Oakland on 7th Street, that whole strip, I think it's 7th Street. Well, what's the street that's right next to the, the BART Tops? That is 7th Street. Okay. Yeah. That whole There's West Oakland BART. Yeah. Yes. On West Oakland BART, that was a strip of clubs where Ike and Tina Turner played. It was the place to go to see a band back in the 40s and the 50s. What happened to it? it just time changed, dude. You know? Um, one of the stations that I used to be at all the time, it was a pirate radio station. I I was there, and I slowly knew that's what that area was in. And plus, uh, that main stretch of freeway that collapsed on all those people in 89, um, that ran along right in that area, too. Uh, that didn't help you know, people wanting to be around. Um, but, yeah, that was that was a big club scene back in the day, dude. There's an old Amtrak station um, that's there that, that um, it's abandoned, but a lot of rock bands go there and they get generators and they have shows there. Um, it's a little bit uh, of that whole strip, but that whole area is a trip, dude. Yeah, that is a trip. So we, um, it's funny enough, I actually was in a thrash, high-energy rock and roll band. and We had a jam spot at Oakland Music Complex, which is on 21st and Adeline. I remember that, yeah. Okay, it's still the there. Oakland Music Complex. Yeah. It's it, not there anymore? It's still there, yeah. It's a, it's a dream come true. It's, you know, it's 24-hour access. Right. So you can wake up in the middle of the night, go and freaking make loud noise, basically. Nice. Um, I've been in there. It's a cool place. And the guy who was taking care of the place, he was in some trouble, right? You know what is? I didn't want to say anything. You know, I don't know. I was in a I was in a punk rock band, and we were into trouble too. But I mean, he looked like he was into some serious. Maybe he could have been in some serious trouble. And I'm not profiling anyone. Really? Um, but yeah, I mean, I could I could see that. I mean, there was um. It was pretty safe, though, for the most part. The guy that I'm thinking of, you know, I don't know. He seemed like he'd been working there for a while, but maybe he uh -huh. wound up into some stuff. Because I heard there was a guy there that he just went above and beyond to help that place out. And then the people who owned the building and stuff were just kind of being jerks to him. And so he lost his job, and there's a petition that was floating around about three weeks ago about uh, going to the city of Oakland to help the guy get his job back. Wow. That's yeah. very bold. You know what is it? That might actually be something to, you know, everyone, you know, that's listening in and yourself included. Um, you know, these folks that have been laid off, I don't know. I mean, there's some people that have worked at these places for, for years and this whole COVID-19 thing, it's just like, see ya. Yeah. I, um, yeah. yeah. It seems like there's a lot of people that probably 
I don't know, could have just lost their jobs and it was a good way to lay off people. Who knows? Who knows? But it's a miracle that place is still open. And if you're involved in a facility where you can still just play music whenever you want and it has not been affected by this whole thing, it's a blessing. Um, I'm convinced that the federal government is after the arts, and I'm convinced that the federal government eventually is going to put pressure on whoever needs to have pressure on to where it's government-approved music, government-approved art that the general public is going to see. I, I'm convinced that's where we're heading right now. I think you're on to um, something big. Um, and I think that the underground and, – and I think – believe it or not, though, dude, I think that this is a blessing in disguise for people like us because the underground will flourish. Yeah. I feel yeah. that. We definitely feel that here. You know, um, there's a lot of great things that have come out, and we want to you know, thank – Obviously, all the donors. We raised, you know, a good amount of. <laughs> Thank you for all the donors. It's been great. God bless you guys. Yeah, everyone out there. Yeah, it's uh. There's a lot of good things that come out of it. Obviously, you know, we're being cautious about the COVID-19 and staying six feet apart. Even though Gavin Newsom is about to let us loose, sounds like. Um, he but, did uh, some shit that really pissed me off, though. You know what? Most everything he says pisses me off, actually. Well, he, he's, he's, he's a rich boy. He, he's a rich kid, okay? And he, he's, he's just another individual. He's another individual who should not be involved in other people's lives because he's just been around money so much. Um, he did something that he tied in between um, claiming that it was helping Lyft drivers and Uber drivers. But it also dragged down independent business owners, including musicians, who hire bands. And so I don't know the whole um, share ride thing part of it, but he linked it all together, and it's a mess. And what happened was how it affects a musician is, let's say I have a gig, okay? And I need to hire a bass player and a drummer and a keyboardist. Because I hire them, I'm responsible for their medical and their social security, even if it's just one gig. Wow. I didn't even know That's that. That's been word yeah. around the campfire, dude. If that is not anti-entrepreneurship, if that is not anti-imagination, I don't know what is. Um, I've heard different sides of this story. I've heard some people go, oh, well, that's not the way I've heard it described. But 80% of the people who are bitching and griping about it, that's exactly how they have understood it from reading it multiple times. There's a class action lawsuit going against him on this to overturn his decision. This was not a voted situation. This thing just popped up out of nowhere saying, I signed this bill. This is the way it is. Tough shit, basically, is what he did. Yeah. Um, he Yeah, so I'm just like – I'm blown away by the guy. I really, he, he, he's, he's in the same league as Trump as far as I'm concerned. You know, anybody with gold-plated seatbelts in their private helicopters have no business balancing budgets at all. Yeah. I was actually, you know, I've been waiting for it to come up. Somebody trying to call me out, which I've been pretty lucky. I don't know. People usually don't fuck with me for the most part. Um, 
but I think it'd be funny to be like, it doesn't matter, I'm Gavin Newsom's cousin. <laughs> you are? Funny. No, I'm not. No, I'm just kidding. No, I was saying uh, as a joke how yeah, funny that would be. Like if so somebody... Good, man. You're, you're among friends. <laughs> yeah, no, believe me, I wish that... It, I mean, I don't know if I wish that. You know, I was raised in a really, like, a blue-collar family, mechanics, firefighters. Right. And it was, you know, it was... It was who and what you are. It's what you've, it's what you did for a living. Uh-huh. You know, it was just, and yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine, I can't imagine coming from that much money. Right. But I mean, that's how well, we got the, the dazzling degrees and, you know, all these, all these things that, which are, you know, maybe great, but we're really having trouble in our inner cities and these places where he's never even, st- I mean, he, okay, he's probably stepped foot. But he doesn't know Jack, and no, he's got to—he's got to know no, that too. I actually think that he's one of those people that might be like, "Yeah, you're right. I don't know what I'm talking about," and hand the no. torch to somebody to to do it. So, I also, yeah. But uh, what what you were saying about um, you know, marketing and the government, and the getting involved in art and music—that it feels like back in the '60s there had to have been that going on. For the you know the Beatles to be that big. I mean when you're that big it's it's almost seems like you know it's it's premeditated like they had it all figured out like this is gonna be the biggest band in the world and and they mm-hmm. I don't know it feels that way because the right. Beatles were just so big you know and I yeah I know a lot of people that don't like the Beatles sure me too yeah, yeah. they're Nickelback fans though <laughs> um. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, but, so, yeah. But you know what, dude? Here, here's the thing about all that, though, is you know Frank Zappa put it the best. He was talking about how there was a time in the '60s where you, if you caused rumors that you were bringing in a bunch of people, it would catch the attention of a record label, and you see these big cigar chomping guys going, "Oh, look at all these people! All right, sign them. We'll see what happens." And so they get signed, and then about a year later, these guys go, well, what do you know? They sold a million albums. Okay, well, we'll release another album. And that's how the record industry worked for a bit. And then you got these, then all of a sudden, you get these A&R guys who were these young, hip idiots who knew what everyone loved. And that's how you wound up with your Justin Bieber. Yeah, that's how you wound up with... Nickelback. That's how you wound up with. You, you, I mean, I can go down the list. Um, yeah. So, and the clubs, local clubs, have been like that too. Where, you know, you could BS your way. I remember the '90s, man. I was in a few bands with no following. We BSed our way in all kinds of big clubs, and we <laughs> we got away with it. We got we got fought, we got people digging us. We got people to shows, but we didn't know what we were doing. We were kids. Um, this, these days, it just blew up in our faces, and with the explosion of digital technology where anybody could release a single, could just record their own stuff and then burn a CD, and then when you wind up with musical diarrhea all around, you know, we saturated the industry to where people were not paying close attention to what the bottom line is around here, and that is supply and demand. Um, music's a product and there's a demand for it 
and needs to be a demand in order for things to work. Everybody overlooked that whole thing. Everyone would sit there and complain to me, going, oh, no, none of my stuff's selling, none of my stuff's selling. Does anybody want to hear your shit? I don't know. Have you asked if anybody wants to hear your stuff? No. Well, what do you expect? We got people who need to test market stuff. If, if I'm not just going to buy some socks because someone goes, oh, well, that guy should wear these socks, they're going to ask me if I'm going to wear their socks, right? Yeah. So we wound up saturating a scene with people who were in these grandiose visions of themselves that just did not work. And now we have fallen apart. We are a, The industry is a huge economy, dude. And it's not working? Are you kidding me? Yeah. So, you know. It's not rocket science, you know. I Yeah, I feel like, you know, there's a lot of logic, like you said, behind it. And, yeah, I mean, I've actually, myself, personally, I, I feel like, gosh, there's so many people just walking around. You know, we're in San Francisco, you know, the Bay Area. You yeah. know, you go downtown, maybe not as much right now, um, but just playing out on the street, I feel like you could get in front of more people and promote your work than maybe your friend or that acquaintance of yours where you're saying like, it's like, you kind of got to get out there and get in front of people. Sure you do. But the thing is, is you got to understand what the public wants to hear. I've heard every successful artist over and over and over say, give them what they want (coughs) and it will sell itself. I've heard outcasts say that. I've heard all kinds of people say that dude. And the thing is, is Led Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin, Jimmy Pace said one of the Led Zeppelin's biggest secrets to their success was they rolled with the times. They did it their own way, but they, they rolled with what was popular. Look at Led Zeppelin uh, 3. Led Zeppelin 3 was to compete with Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, um, and among all the other big hits that were going on at that time. That album sucked. The album did not do well. That was the lowest selling album they ever had. And then they came out with the, the God Almighty Led Zeppelin Zozo 4. Um, but that was Led Zeppelin's secret, dude. Um, I don't hear anybody talking about rolling with the punches. You know, I mean, I don't know anybody who wants to sound like some of the crap that's going on today, but yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, there was some weird. There's nothing actually more fun than trying to cover some basic shit in the park and at Dolores Park and then Uh come back to this underground radio station. Right. Um, I I don't know. For me, like, because, like I said, I kind of, like, just do my thing. It's more of a personal thing. It's therapeutic for me to go out and, you know, make art, music, and and do that. But there's this, uh, I was messing around, and there's this Ed Sheeran... Bruno Mars like metal version that I did uh-huh. like I infused the two it was like a remix and yeah I don't know well, people recognize it I don't know I mean like you think about it you know even you know, like even when we said Zeppelin but Hendrix and you know all these big names um, you know like Hey Joe a lot of these it was something that they resolved that was maybe already popular but then they made it more popular and right. you know, probably, you know, same thing with Zeppelin, and yeah, I mean, they. I saw this interview with uh, Robert Plant, which I th- actually thought was funny. We talked about the Beatles too. There's this guy on the show, and he asked Robert Plant, "Is um, Beatles or Stones?" 
and with he's like stones of course and i just think that that's so funny right i mean like you're sitting there and you're like beetles or stones i mean i already know the answer for you but what do you think that i want to hear that stones Mm -hmm. they're a little bit too they're a little bit too pop both of them I'm, I'm torn between, you know what, dude? I, I didn't like the Stones for the longest time, and I'm just starting to really get into them after all these years. Their studio work is impressive. I don't know. I mean, like, that. there's so many of these songs that there's these little added instruments, like, in the background where I didn't notice the first time that I heard it. Like, what they did in the studio, I thought, it's actually pretty pretty, pretty great. I've never seen a lot. lot. Right. The guys who did a lot of the Stone stuff was also helping Paige out with Zeppelin, dude. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of that going on. Yeah, I, did, I don't know. I know that Zeppelin and Andy Johns is the one that um, yeah. was in the studio. Gosh, that guy yep. is a fucking genius. I yeah, feel like, yeah. you know, and I am, maybe it's a little biased because I, I'm a, Led Zeppelin's my favorite band of all time. Like, there's not, I feel like they just kind of did everything. They were able, I mean, you know, with communication breakdown to um you know in their later days like all my was it he has everything song that he says is love but it's like do 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 it's like he's got the i can't i don't know i mean why can't why can't i think of the song but like they really changed it up they went from right they did everything and you could still tell it was them which i thought was cool what I think is really interesting about Led Zeppelin's recordings, though, dude, is, you know, Paige, you think of Paige as the producer of everything. And, you know, when Led Zeppelin 2 came out, they were just starting to get into um, stereo. And so their way of dealing with stereo back then was called hard less um, with reverb. And what that was is if you listen to a whole lot of love, you're going to hear Paige's guitar dry as a bone with distortion um, on the left, and then you're going to hear nothing but saturation and distortion on the right. I did notice that, yeah. Then you hear John Paul Jones on the right with saturation and reverb on the uh, left. <clears throat> that was their way of dealing with reverb at that time. Um, I don't know if that was I don't know if that was the first band to ever do that. I don't know. I was it was pretty impressive when I discovered that though. But what Paige was doing was he used panning to his advantage like you wouldn't believe. And it was very apparent on Houses of the Holy, more than anything. Now, a weird thing about Led Zeppelin Four is that with the ma- recently new mastered, well, they were mastered in 2000. <laughs> You're not going to hear it anymore. But when it was originally released, when I got my copy of Led Zeppelin Four back in 1989, when you listen to Stairway to Heaven, you hear the flute in one ear, Robert Plant in the other um, ear, and he's singing, and she's buying a stairway to heaven. You hear the flute doing the cadence part. It's like a half cadence. If you take off the flute, you would hear Robert Plant going, and she's buying a stairway to hell. Oh, wow. Yeah, you don't hear that anymore, but I, I play it for a bunch of people who are like, oh, my God, dude, um, back then. Yeah. Um, so if you've got any cassettes or any records from Led Zeppelin of, of that album back in like before 2000, you're going to hear that. <laughs> yeah, that's a trip that they were able to do that, and it's funny that you uh, mentioned that because I actually I was a 16 year old and I had you know 
Zeppelin. I had, you know, I was playing Zeppelin in, in Stairway to Heaven in particular. Um, and one of my speakers was out yep. in the car. All and then I was like, cool. holy shit, that's weird. I don't, I don't hear this part of it. Um, yeah, they were, they were really cool. And there was something about too back then and, you know, all the merch and everything. And so I, I, you know, I read somewhere that the, um, that Led Zeppelin, Jimmy Page, you know, John Bonham, Robert Plant, and, you know, John Paul Jones made more money off the merchandise than they did yeah. off the record. I bet. And that there was a lot of um, copycats. There's a lot of people that that would make Zeppelin shirts and then they didn't have it, you yep. know. But you, it, you, ever, you ever seen the song Remains the Same, the movie? I have. It's been a while, though. They bust one of the guys at the, um, at the concert for doing that. Yeah, I mean, they made a killing. Was what's funny about it? So I feel like, and who knows? I I saw an interview with Robert Plant, and he was mentioning, you know, that the whole thing with the merch and that, you know, it it cut into their pockets, but it spread the word even more. So it was like wow. one of those things. It was like, yeah, it just. There's a lot of good. I mean, I don't know. I'd be I'd be flattered if somebody wanted to make a bunch of JW yeah. Blunt merchandise and and sell it. I think. You mean, I'd, like, without your permission. I. You know what? Is I I really. I have zero ego. I don't know. <laughs> you uh, have zero ego, huh? I have and zero. How do you survive? How do you How do you not eat and bathe and bathe and stuff? That takes ego. <laughs> yeah, I. Maybe I got a little. I mean, we got some ego, but I, I don't. I feel like the message. I like for for me. I feel like I don't. Know, I feel like you have a message too, and that message is something you know. As a, the artist, that's a message in, that you're trying to. But I've noticed that when I when I write something, that maybe somebody or two other people out there listening are gonna think two different things and think that it's about something else. And so, um, yeah, I mean, that's what I, I feel like with merchandise. You know, you see somebody walking around with your your merch, and you know that they didn't buy it from you, and you're just kind of like, this is strange. Well, I don't know. I guess the word's out there, though. I don't know. Right. Um, Speaking of merch, I, can, I, can I talk about some merch that's coming out with me pretty soon? Yeah, no, absolutely. This is perfect <coughs> timing because, uh, we're yeah, this is perfect. Excellent. I am going to be releasing in the middle of this month or in early July a a uh, memory stick um, for your USB C port on, or USB C port on your um, computer that's going to hold every album that I have released from 2002 to 2018, and it's going to have artwork on there, and there will be guitar lessons on how to play those songs. That's really awesome. I'll be selling those for $35 a piece. Sounds like a bargain to me. It's definitely a bargain, but here's <laughs> the catch. If you wind up getting that, you'll also have a special password that will go into the Zoster Records website to where if you pay a, a monthly submission, you'll have access to updating that onto the new album, new demos, and you'll also have a say in any particular um, um, opinion on the creativity side of me working on these albums. 
That is fun. You'll, you'll also be able to have um, you'll have access to wave files to some of the songs so you can mix and master through your own um, digital audio workstation um, and, and mess around with the tunes that I'm going to be releasing. That sounds like it's multi. Yeah, it sounds like so. Everything. Thirty-five bucks for it, and then like two or three bucks a month, you get all this other kind of access to all this stuff. You know, the, the technology is changing so quickly. Ideas are changing so quickly. I I come with ideas, and they, and then I come with better ideas. I'm just going to be putting these ideas as a subscription to um, those to records.com, which is in the middle of being reconstructed right now. So nice. Yeah, so, um, gosh, man, it's been really fun having you on the show. We are winding down to the end of the show now. All right, I, my man. I do have this uh, Them Flies. I think it would be fun to close out with that song. Awesomeness. Uh, and, um, yeah, so I just want to, where's the best place to find you? You YouTube. can, if you, hashtag grunge jazz and you will find me. Grunge jazz. Hashtag grunge jazz and you can find me on um YouTube, you can find me on Instagram, you can find me on Facebook, um, TikTok, not so much. I'm not feeling that <laughs> quite yet. Um, I feel like that's kind of the toddler form of YouTube. Um, but just hashtag grunge jazz. Look for the handsome guy. There's a couple cats using it, but I'm, I'm the good looking one. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, thanks for coming on the show. This and um, you were awesome. Yeah, you too, man. I hope to run into you again soon after this whole lockdown. Yes, sir. We've got to make a point. We'll have lunch. Makes sense. Sounds good. All right. We got uh, closing out here with Mike and the last song here, Them Flies, MutinyRadio.fm. Kicking off Mutiny the weekend. Mutiny Radio, y'all. Woo. Thank you so much.
of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutinyradio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice. LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-face McRat. <laughs> For a burger, Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counter Offer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counter Offer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counter Offer serves specials off the Taco Bell menu, only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. Counter Offer uses only fresh ingredients and never store bought shit. 
Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counter Offer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counter Offer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Van S. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counter Offer, baby. Got the mutiny, mutiny radio. Got the mutiny, mutiny radio. Got the mutiny, mutiny radio, my friend. Got mutiny, mutiny radio. Got mutiny, mutiny radio. Got mutiny radio, my friend. You ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shit. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes. And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Tired of paying too much for your internet? Contracts and hidden fees got you down? Tired of supporting the same big cable companies that lobby against a free and open internet? Get Monkey Brains! Monkey Brains is a local internet provider who doesn't sell your data, bind you down with contracts, or trick you with hidden monthly fees. We're honest, local, and 100% net neutral. Residential internet for only $35 a month, business packages starting at $75 a month. Go to monkeybrains.net and sign up today. Hey everybody, listen to the Weekly Review with Roman every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. This is an unapologetically anti-capitalist program. We interview community organizers, activists, and artists. We talk about ways you can take action right now. So listen in to the Weekly Review every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. Subliminal SF visual and auditory mind control brings you the best, coolest t-shirt and hoodie designs and mind-bending local bands and shows at venues all over San Francisco and the Bay Area. 
Subliminal SF is here. comedy knows are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts are ye on a raft without a patter well gather around me sea dogs and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutiny radio.fm 
From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> listening to Mutiny Radio.fm. Coming up in three minutes is going to be Animal Style on the happy, the happy hour, the happiest hour of all hours of comedy is now two hours again, starting with the Twitch channel, Green Rex. Go check it out. Green Rex. Rex like I am wrecked, like I have smoked too much of the greens. You know what I am saying? Now it is three mi- two and a half minutes before we start. Just letting you know. Thank you for listening. Are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counter Offer serves specials off the Taco Bell menu. Only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. Counter Offer uses only fresh ingredients and never store bought shit. Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counter Offer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counter Offer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Van S. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counter Offer, baby. Yep. Just know all of my self-esteem is so like wrapped up in cooking yeah. and all of that stuff to, and to be able to do it professionally yeah. even for a short amount of time is like, it fulfills me, so, you know. It's been hard to not have that. Mutiny radio, got mutiny, mutiny radio, got mutiny radio, my friend. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think uh, I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I, I mean, six, you I'll ever want to be like in front of an audience, like other than like squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shit. 